0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Wiser Money Show. You have me, Zach, your host, followed by our one and only Ken. Ken, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us today. It's
1: Ken Himmler back for the Wiser Money Show, joined with Zach. Uh, I got to come up with a really good like name for you, like Zach the Killer, <laughs> Zach the Shack, or something like that. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun being on the, on the show with you.
0: Hey, I I have a blast. I look forward to it every week when we you know have an episode, put it out there for our for our viewers, for our fans. I'm hoping we're generating a lot of those those fans and fangirls and fanboys out there. <laughs> you know, just like we were both athletes back in the day, so you always love when people came out and supported you. This way, we don't see them, but we could also feel them when we uh look at the look at the comments that we have. You know, so yeah, it's nice.
1: yeah, for sure. Which is funny because. I don't know. I know we're kind of geeks in this area, but we are talking about one of the driest subjects ever, <laughs> right? Taxes and finances. And, you know, it's not sports. It's not cars. It's not like entertainment. This is boring stuff. But if you get this stuff straightened out, you know, all those other things are pretty enjoyable. You know, you could go see sports and have cars and everything else. So <laughs> uh, hopefully we can bring a
0: little entertainment to this so that it doesn't seem so dry. <laughs> We'll try, we'll try our best, but I think that was a perfect segue into what we want to talk about. And, and just so the viewers have an idea of how this is going to look, we are going to do a full month of one specific topic and give you a lot of information in shorter episodes. So it's an easy way to go on for a walk with your dog, listen to 10 minutes, 15 minutes here. You just want to have 10 minutes, 15 minutes to yourself at home, pop in those headphones, listen to a quick little podcast on something that will benefit you whether it be now or at some point in the future. So we're trying to make it a little bit more enjoyable for that viewer and that listener by shortening those episodes a little bit. And when you were talking about having protecting your your life and and protecting your finances, which could be boring, but you want to be able to do those fun things like buy cars and see sporting events and all of that. That's what we're really talking about the month of July. And the month of July, we're touching on very heavily trust and trust versus a will. And those are words that you hear. And every time you hear trust, you always think about the ultra rich or ultra wealthy. And we all did the same thing too, before we learned about a trust. Or you hear a will and everybody should have a will. And we're kind of here to educate you a little bit on the difference of those and why our opinion might be different from what you've heard in your lives. But that's what we're talking about all throughout the month of July. So if you are interested in any capacity as to your future and what happens when you die and what happens when you're alive, this is the month that you should definitely be tuning into. So with that, I kind of just wanted to pose this first question to you, Ken, is why do people even recommend a will? Well, that's
1: a good question. I think probably most of it is um, people are just un- uneducated. You know, I, I back in the days, 20 some years ago, when I was getting board certified in estate planning, I remember this positive negative part of the text and it said, you know, here's the positives and negatives of a will. Here's the positive and negatives of a trust. And the only positive that they really had for a, a will is that it was a it was in public record, and a judge would decide. Now, I completely disagree with that notion that that's a positive in any way, shape, or form, which I'll go into in a little bit more depth. There's also a sect of um, people in the community, whether it be drafters, lawyers, whoever, and they'll say, get a will because you don't have enough money. Well, So you understand a will will create probate. Now, if you have less than $25,000, most states do have something called an abbreviated probate. That means it's really simple, not a long term process, not expensive. You don't need a lawyer. um, And you could just go right down the county clerk and, and go through probate, which is why sometimes people go, oh, I don't need a trust. I did my dad's estate in three weeks, and it was a piece of cake. It didn't cost me about three hundred dollars for the filing fee, and I'll explain. But you know, you have a very different estate. You have maybe real estate, real estate in multiple states, whatever it is. You you want to really think now. Let me just clarify. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice. Uh, I can explain the positives and negatives of a will. The positive is negative of a trust, but I can't advise people. Uh, I have been a professional trustee. I am board certified in estate planning as well as a CES. So I have a lot of experience in it. But it doesn't mean that everybody, even if you get advice from a lawyer, that that lawyer has good intentions. Because I've actually been in a, uh, a close relationship with a lawyer. And after we got close enough, he revealed his cards that the only reason he drafted wills is so he could earn more money through probate, and the only reason he never funded trusts is so that he could earn more money in probate. Disgusting. Never met. Absolutely. Yeah, I ended that relationship. But so the answer to answer your question, why do people get wills? Well, most people don't understand them. They think that that's the way to go, and like you said, they
0: think trusts are just for the super wealthy. I I agree with you there, and that's from my understanding now that I have, that I didn't have five years ago, 10 years ago, that now I understand that a will is there to really protect you. Yeah. So going back for me, I didn't know the difference. I thought everybody just had a will and that's what you needed. But then fast forward to now being a little bit more educated on how, what a trust does and how trust is and how it's geared there solely to protect you and to protect, protect your family. It's, it's just it, it blows my mind with why did I ever think that it was only for the ultra wealthy, and the fact that I just had to go through probate for my father's estate, and his estate was small, and I put small in quotes because it was just a tiny little house in one of the worst cities in America, North Philadelphia, and it ended up ended up selling for seventy five thousand. Now that is over the threshold that you said for the twenty five thousand. No abbreviated probate for me. He didn't have a will. He didn't have a trust. He didn't have anything that was a brutal process. It was annoying. It was frustrating. It cost me thousands of dollars just to sell this little piece of property that, hold on, I also had to split the proceeds, the, the the net proceeds with three people. So by the time I was done, it was a waste of time, a waste of money. And I'd rather have just given that to sheriff Sale and not actually have gone through it. Yeah. Now, with a trust, that just passes directly on to those beneficiaries. You don't have to go through probate. probate. It avoids probate. And for that reason alone, avoiding probate, a trust is far, in my opinion, and I'm sure in your opinion, far superior than a will.
1: Well, I would agree with you. There's a couple of things I really don't like about a will. And those are all the things that I do like about a trust. And I'll go through them with you. So Number one is you die with a will. Well, let's do it this way. What happens if you die without a will? So it's called dying intestate. And it means that every state has, they're going to write the will for you. So what happens is there's a, we're under English common law. And now if you live in New Orleans, you're not. That's Napoleonic law the only section in our entire country that is carved out and they have very different laws than everywhere else but we're majority of the US is under english common law we've adopted that from you know our ancestors and what it says is there's a lineage up and down parents up children down no children then it goes sideways brothers and sisters if then it goes ans- you know so that's the the concept so when you die without a will the state follows that kind of lineage but it doesn't mean that people can't just come out of the woodwork and petition the court that they're owed something great example is tony shea so tony shea died in las vegas a horrible death in a fire i think he didn't die in vegas it was somewhere else you know in a fire people just poured he didn't have a will no trust no will people poured out of the woodwork saying well he promised me some i don't know what the Details are, but I, from my memory, some guy said he wrote this on a napkin and he owes me this much money. Somebody else said, well, I, he promised me this. So now the courts are going to just make the decisions on who gets what.
0: What is legit? What is not?
1: Yeah. Or, you know, there's also that saying about the the percentages of judges that give leniency before lunch and then after lunch, they want to go home. So they don't And like there's There's a saying, and I I just listened to a friend of mine. He just did a three hour webinar. He's a tax attorney. And he said, um, the one thing I've learned in 35 years is there is no justice in the justice system. It's not a fair equitable system based upon facts and law. He says, what I learned is is that a judge based upon what just happened to them on the way to work, uh, what they're going through in their marriage, what they're going through health wise, what they ate in the morning, that could decide or undecide a fair or legal case. And they may not just want to deal with it and they go, I'll ah, let the appellate court take it, let you know, uh, appeals take it and just push it on. So what people have to understand is that they'll say, but I'm do that. It doesn't matter. A judge can rule otherwise. And then it gets into an extended period where if you really want to keep appeals going, it's expensive and protracted. So the answer is, Zach, I don't know why people don't, but the things I don't like about a wills is public. Everything is public. Number two is it creates fraud right. because anybody trying to take advantage of older people, unknowing people, their services. Now that the minute somebody dies, you get fifty letters in the mail because somebody's down at the courthouse. You probably had that, right? Yep. <laughs> Let us handle your funeral. Let us do this. Let us do that, and then. You know, because it's public, then people create IRS scams, credit card scams, and that all gets tied up. And especially if people own joint something jointly with that person that died. So, number one, I don't like it because it's public. That coincides with number two, which I don't like, is that it creates potential fraud. Right. Number three is it's not clear and delineated as to who gets what. It's really based upon the judge. And Number four is it's very expensive. And this gets into what's called statutory fees. Every state, if you hire a probate lawyer, is going to have what's called a statutory fee. They range from three to sometimes as high as 9%. So if you take somebody who's got a million dollar estate, that family could pay minimum of thirty to 90000 But here's the catch. It's what's called statutory plus. So the lawyers can say, I can collect 7% plus fees. So they stack it on, you know, every mailing, every phone call, like just, yeah.
0: you know, I mean, so it happened. Weird. What's happened? happened with me? I, I got, I asked for an itemized bill and there was like a 10 minutes to respond to client email. 10 minutes to just say, okay, come on.
1: Yeah, so it can get very, very expensive. Um, and then the other thing is, there's a lot of fraud that happens with wills when people die. And I know this is what always gets me. People say, but my kids would never do that. I trust my kids. Um, I can tell you, I would say out of every case that we've settled in every client, I would say, without statistically having proof, seven out of 10 times, there is some kind of dishonorable thing that a child grandchild aunt uncle cousin son-in-law daughter-in-law whoever it is they do whether it's breaking into the house and stealing things before something happens it whether it's right. what's called slip sheeting what's that? so in so today you know you can take a word processor you can grab somebody's will and if it's a five-page will you can take a sheet out reproduce it on a word processor and sheet, and slip it back in and no one will know any different because the notary's on the last page. Right. And even right. if there's little signatures on each page, people just forge those and then they scan them or they copy them and then say, here's the original. And so we've seen this happen because we've kept the originals and we're like, no, nah, you never it's amended different. that with us. And that is not what the original you know, document said. I don't like that. That's so dirty. <laughs> it's dirty pool, but you know, here's what I always tell people: Listen, if you can hire hitman for five hundred to a thousand dollars to take somebody's life, you don't think somebody's going to try something when there's ten thousand, fifty thousand, a million dollars, and they think that they can get away with it. Right. So it's just a dangerous document. I don't like them. So you know, even if somebody came to me and they said, "I got fifty grand, seventy-five grand," Some people will say they should never have a trust. And maybe that's true. I just know that the five things that I do like about a trust is it's private. There's much more of a probability, no guarantee, probability that who you want to get what you want, because you could still sue a trust, is going to get it. Um, There is no probate process. It stays out of probate if it's done right. But we'll talk about that as we go along. Mm -hmm. And if it's done correctly with digitally... Uh, signed documents, then it also prevents a lot of the fraud if we if we keep some of the paper. We can't keep all the paper out of it. Some states require uh, filed papers, signed papers, but there's a way to protect against that. So the things I don't like about a will are the things that I like about a trust.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I just think that there's, I, I think a big hang up also is because most people think. The ultra wealthy get trust that they're like oh trusts are too expensive i can get a will done online 50 bucks and call it a day and i think we talked about this the other day and a big question that you should ask yourself if you're one of those people that think you, a will is better for you than a trust just ask yourself one simple question and it's if you have children so ask yourself do you love your children if your answer is no then a will is for a perfect way that they'll never forget your name because they're going to be going through a lengthy probate process. But if your answer is yes, that you do genuinely love your children, why make it harder for them when you die? Make it easy for them. Make it very easy to understand. The paperwork is right. The assets are protected. And if you really love your children, they will thank you for years and years and years to come past the day that you pass. So I know we were just talking about that, and it's hilarious because that's that's a funny question to ask somebody because most parents say they love their children, so that's the case.
1: Yeah, like if you really want to get them back for those teenage years, yeah, (laughs) definitely leave them with a will. Actually, don't leave them with any will. That'll even be a bigger nightmare, right? They'll definitely be cursing your name for months to come. And you know, there's the other issue, you know, now with a will, it typically the states that we've closed. It's 18 months to 24 months. Now, we just closed an estate that the fella died in, I want to say, 2018. So it took five years. And part of that is COVID because everything got backed up. Right. But the whole time, oh, so there's there's another thing to really talk about we can get into with the probate. So you really understand what that process is. They lock the assets down. And you don't have access until the courts release access or give you accountability. And then once you have accountability, otherwise known as now, well, sometimes they don't use the word executrix anymore, is it executor. It's like there's no actors or actresses anymore. Even the females are actors. So it's very politically correct now to say you're just all executors. Yep. Um, so once the court appoints an executor, they become, um, it depends on, the courts, a financial a fiduciary to that estate. And sometimes they require a bond. Sometimes they don't. And either way you have to keep really, really good accounting records. Like I just had somebody that we talked to the other day and here's what happened. They were appointed the executor. There was a piece of property and they just let their family stay in the property rent free. I'm like, you can't do that. Why not? Their family because you owe a duty to everybody else that has gonna get a piece of that property. And either this family member pays fair market rent value or you rent it to the public because you have a duty and you have to account every single step of the way for that duty. And that depending upon the time of the probate could take four or five years. You've just become a risk at risk accountant for that entire estate. We have another case, which is we'll get into probate and some other sessions of uh, uh podcasts here. But in another case, where the guy wouldn't listen to us, and he, you know, went and just left his rental property in the Panhandle, Florida, in in a will, and he says, "No, I'm just going to leave it in the will." And we said, "You know, it's going to go through probate." Yeah, I don't care. Okay, so he dies, and it law everything locks down. The family can't get to the funds to pay the utilities, So the pipes freeze, they break, they cause massive damage. Now the insurance companies arguing with them and saying, we're not going to cover it because if you read your policy, it's your duty to take care of the property. And by you abandoning the property, we're not covering it. So see, it's just probate is not, in my opinion, not consumer friendly. <laughs> no, it's just a hot mess. And so even if you have a smaller estate, like even if the, that wasn't, this was a, a larger estate, but even if the only thing that they owned was just this rental property in Florida and it was rental slash vacation, um, that would have made sense to put in a trust. right? Because immediately no court, no probate, whoever you've named as a trustee, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but uh, they could take over right then and they could have paid the utility bill, paid the bill, heating bill. What, you know, it's not funny, but- it's like it's in Florida and the pipes froze, but yeah, it's right. Pain, right. But things happen. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you you have to look at all those different avenues. But if you ask me, you know, would I want anybody to get through life with just a will? No, no. It's just it's a mess. Even if you have a small amount of assets. So, um, I I think what we should do maybe in maybe in the next podcast, is just kind of explain the concept of a trust. You know, what is it? How does it work? And then maybe what we could do is, because a lot of people listening to this already have trusts. But I would probably tell you, again, without statistical proof in front of me, at least, and this is scary, nine out of 10 people That have trusts, either A, didn't do them correctly, B, they didn't fund them correctly, C, they don't even know what's in the trust, which means that the good intention that they had is gonna backfire. And I'm gonna go through, I'll go through in the next session, I'll go through just the concept of how a trust works, and then I'll go through, start going through what I've seen in now going on this July, 40 years of practice. I'm going to categorize this as five of the biggest mistakes people make with trusts. And number one is leaving a lump sum to a child, which I'll go through. Two is not funding the trust. Number three is putting tainted assets into a trust. Number four is not putting IRAs and retirement plans into trust the correct way. And then five, I'll talk about human beneficiary mistakes. OK, so let's let's do this the next episode. I'll make a point what we'll do is um, I'll explain the concept of the trust as a container and how it really works. And then we'll get into the five biggest mistakes of what people make when they
0: when they have a trust. Perfect. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I know there's a couple of points that I am that are near and dear to me right now as my mom is going through funding her trust. So we'll talk about that as we get to those. But that's it for us here on the Wiser Money Show. Tune in in just a couple of days for our follow up podcast. See Sounds all good. Soon. All right. Thank you. See you, Zach.